Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Appreciate everybody tuning in with you for the next 60 minutes as we're here to break down all that is happening with the New York football Giants. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513 can also interact with us on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. He is Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow. Yesterday, we kicked off our opponent preview series as we broke down the Tennessee Titans, who the Giants are opening up the season against in week one on the road. Their home opener will be the following week, week two, as they will welcome the Carolina Panthers to town on Sunday, September 18th, second straight season in which Carolina is coming to MetLife Stadium. And to help us break down the Panthers, discuss the outlook of that team, we are now joined by a man who covers them for the Charlotte Observer, and that is none other than Panthers reporter Ellis Williams. Ellis, you got Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino here on Giants.com, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Of course. Happy to be here. Things are cool, man. I mean, it's crazy. We're previewing uh, NFL football games. It feels like I was just in Mobile for the Senior Bowl or the Combine. <laughs> it feels like the draft has happened or free agency. Uh, and now we're right around the corner for, for training camp. Only about five weeks out here, man. There really is no offseason or downtime in this league. Indeed. That's the thing about the NFL offseason. The clock just keeps ticking away. And before you know it, like you said, we're going to be back to meaningful football. So I want to start big picture perspective because this really ties in the offense and the quarterback situation, specifically with respect to Sam Darnold Ellis. Darnold is entering his fifth season. He's now on his fifth different offensive coordinator in Ben McAdoo, who we know very well since he was the former head coach of the Giants and the offensive coordinator (laughs) prior to that. And Ben McAdoo actually did a really nice job as the offensive coordinator. Statistically, they were at a very respectable level. So I'm not saying that that's not going to help Sam Darnold, but given the game of musical chairs, Ellis, why should Darnold at least say to himself, this time it's going to work when this is the third OC in two years for him? Well, see, Sam was promised some things when he came to Carolina that the Panthers weren't able to follow through with in year one there. Uh, The GM, Scott Fitterer, ensured that they would have protection around Sam Darnold, which then translated into the Panthers giving up 58 sacks this year, fourth most in the league, and uh, that number is a little deceiving uh, just with, you know, Sam was injured on a play where he took off, and, and then Cam Newton coming in, um, still having some legs of his own. I think the quarterbacks uh, got out of trouble uh, sometimes to no avail, but still that, that number should have been higher. Point being, the offensive line w- was a mess last year, one of the worst in the league. And this offseason, Fitterer, Matt Rule, dedicated a, a bulk of their resources into fixing that. They they went out and spent big on Austin Corbett, Super Bowl champion, uh, right guard from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they spent the sixth overall pick, took the first offensive player off the board in the draft and drafting E.E. Kwanu at NC State. He, he'll be a, a day-one starter, whether he plays left tackle or left guard remains to be seen, but regardless, that, that's a premier talent, a blue-chip guy you're plugging in there. 
They already had Taylor Moten, uh, one of the most respected tackles in the league. They bring in Bradley Bozeman from the Ravens. Uh, and then they got a second-year guy they're pretty high on in Brady Christensen. So, uh, you know, some names that still have to prove themselves there in an offensive line as a unit, as you all understand, that need uh, time, health, and games to build and gel. Uh, but there is reason for optimism in the sense that whoever's playing quarterback for the Panthers won't be running for their life this year. And, and specifically to Sam Darnold, he's getting an offensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator now in Ben McAdoo, as you guys said, you're very familiar with, who – regardless of how things ended in New York, it, the, the stats don't lie how he really reinvented or sparked Eli Manning's uh, career there. And obviously having a, a, a fresh, young, prime Odell Beckham Jr. helps. Uh, but this is a, a coordinator, a, a guy who, you know, at only 44 years old, was going to get another chance in this league and now has an opportunity to pull the best parts out of Sam Darnold, similarly that he did with Eli Manning. And by no means can can Sam anywhere near the quarterback that Eli is. Maybe a, a little more mobile, which Ben may like. But at least it's it's a a fresh start with someone with an established track record. Uh, Joe Brady was in uh, over his head just slightly coming into the league as a first time play caller and quite, wasn't quite ready for the job. Not from a, a play standpoint or a scheme. Just from what I gather, it was a communication thing. Um, <clears throat> this offense now has no questions or wonders of what whose role is what and what the goal and definition of each play is it's a command thing in the building and in the in the meeting rooms so that that's all to say that a lot has changed around Sam Darnold while remaining uh, here in Carolina but we we only have gone through OTAs we've only gone through mini camp and and the book has been written on Sam Darnold I'm not sure if he'll be the, the Panthers starting quarterback when these two teams meet in week two, but as of right now, it's shaping up that way. Ellis, I, I want to take a, a step back here for a minute, and before we start talking about the rest of the roster and the personnel, I want to ask you about Matt Rule. I mean, this is his mm-hmm. third season. He's had two five-win years in a row. The team lost seven in a row to finish last year after going five and five and had some optimism. You've said they've made a lot of changes to the roster, and I get that, but it also seems to me that some of the winds that were blowing around the league during this offseason is that that seat could start heating up very quickly, kind of like a microwave oven on Matt Rule if things don't start off well this year. You are in Charlotte. Tell me how accurate are those rumor winds about the heat that's on him? Or, or is that just a lot of people outside who don't know what they're talking about and Matt Rule is going to be safe for this year and doesn't necessarily have to worry much? No, they're, they're fairly accurate. I mean, I, I saw yesterday sports was coming out with first coach fired odds and, and Matt Rule is atop that board. And uh, Vegas is, uh, tends to know what they're talking about. And, and those speculations, those numbers come from just the situation. I mean, he was pretty close to losing his job this past offseason. Um, what I think ended up saving it was the, the, the fact that he was promised you know, had a five-year rebuilding plan when he came in here to Carolina, and he is notoriously known for that year three turnaround that he had at uh, Temple and then at at Baylor. So a lot of this is narrative-driven, but it it comes from a point where, all right, now you got one year with your GM. Let's 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 build a stable foundation and go from there. And I think Matt Rule has thus parlayed that extended time, this one last year and meaning that if nothing changes he'd likely be gone uh by no means is this the last year no matter what but getting this extra bit of life into playing with house money i, I noticed a, a, a much calmer much looser um a, a more free mat rule and that trickled down through the team as we you know popped into a few otas and, and then those three-day mini camps um mat rule is kind of realizing like hey this is my situation let's make the most of it uh, I plugged in a lot of quality coaches where I had a lot of inexperience before. Uh, I, I think Matt really humbled himself and, and learned a lot. I think that's organization down, uh, starting with David Tepper. Um, Matt Rule bringing in Steve Wilkes, bringing in Ben McAdoo, bringing in Chris Taper, uh, bringing in James Campen. I, I, you know, I just named four or five coaches uh, 
two of which have had coaching experience and the others have been in the league, you know, 12, 13, 14 plus years. So this is a, a, a staff he's completely remade. As I said, the roster has, has gone through some um, sizable changes in the margins. And that doesn't change the fact that Matt Rule's feet is still hot. And if this team goes through any stretch of a three-game losing streak this year, uh, watch out. You know, if they, if they get to a two-game losing streak, we're, we're, we're going to be that waiting to see how they respond. Um, I remember, you know, three, four years ago, Bill O'Brien, Texans head coach, started 0-4 uh, with games against the, the Ravens, Chiefs, Steelers, and Vikings, and, and he was canned. And I think the Texans were going to win five games that, that year, but that's not the point. This all changes in a moment's notice uh, based on wins and losses. Uh, but it's a completely different situation around him. I think this team has learned a lot through the two years of, of Matt Rule, and he's got one last chance here to, to right the ship and, and come through on that year three promise. Well, Ellis, what hasn't helped his cause is you talked about the movable parts and maybe a little bit of instability, and this is connected to Sam Darnold, is just the bulk of injuries that this team has had to deal with, whether it be on the offensive side of the ball and even last season on the defensive side of the ball, Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn. But I want to stay on the offensive side of the ball. Clearly, Christian McCaffrey's health and durability is going to be tied in with this offense. And first three seasons, everything was great. Last few seasons, he's missed 23 games. Now, they did bring in Deontay Foreman, which I think maybe gives them another option in addition to Chuba Hubbard. McCaffrey's on pace to come back this season. How much, though, do they need to rethink? Maybe we need to work in other running backs so we don't bank on him getting X amount of carries and just wearing down as the season progresses. Yeah, it's a top priority to create and cultivate an offense that does not center around Christian McCaffrey. Uh, The team made that point very clear, not only during the interviewing process for an offensive coordinator, but also once Ben McAfee was installed, uh, that point was made quite clear that, you know, the the team prioritizes availability. I I know there's coaches in that building that that get very frustrated, uh, whoever the player is. Um, when they're not available, and not to any fault of the players, just the 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 result being that all of this sounds great on paper, but we need you on the field um, in order to achieve what we think is possible. I think that was a, a, a trap they fell into the past few years with Christian, and now uh, installing a Ben McAdoo offense. Uh, Matt Rule multiple times has said that we need a system that is not relying on one player and, and can more complement of Christian's strengths. I mean, he, he's, he's a one-of-one one player in this league. They're, they're really, when you turn on the tape, there's no one like Christian McCaffrey in this league, and, and the offense in Carolina benefits greatly when he's on the field. Uh, but it's not like the Panthers were winning a bunch of games in, in a playoff perennial team when Christian was leading the league in touches and 2,000-yard seasons anyway, those, those couple years that he had. So um, they understand that he is a... Uh, a focal point that needs to be more of a complementary piece and that this offense needs to center around a smooth operating quarterback, a, a distributor who can rely on, on guys who you know will be out there all the time and, and players like uh, a DJ Moore who uh, has had three straight 1,000-yard plus seasons and, and they re-signed um, this offense this offseason to an extension, making him one of the top five paid wide receiver in this league. So th- they've learned a lot about Christian McCaffrey and his availability, the expectation going in, like every year is that Christian will um, be available. We, we talked to him at minicamp. He says he feels great. He reshaped his offseason this year, trying not to be so hard on his body. Uh, he's a guy that just trains maliciously and goes and goes and goes. And he took a step back this year and, 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 and taking it easier on himself, it sounds like. We'll see if that pays off. Um, for the sake of fantasy football owners and just a, a fan of the league, someone who loves watching great football, um, I'm, I'm sure we all hope Christian will be out there, but it, it, it's far from a guarantee. I'm going to assume as far as that wide receiver room goes, Ellis, that, that Robbie Anderson and Terrence Marshall haven't given the Panthers exactly what they expected. And quite honestly, I was a huge Tommy Tremble fan coming out of Notre Dame. I wonder if at mm-hmm. tight end he can be more of a factor in the passing game this year. I think that there's uh, really big hopes for Tommy Tremble and, and the tight end room in general. 
uh, a tight end room that was underutilized in, in Joe Brady's system, and then later Jeff Nixon, uh, the interim offensive coordinator and play caller who came in when Brady was relieved of his duties last year. Uh, it's the reason they signed Ian Thomas to a team-friendly deal uh, right before free agency. Well, uh, you know, they weren't really interested in in exploring the market and, and overpaying for other guys. They they saw some untapped potential in Ian Thomas, and I know that they've always they don't view Tommy Tremble's potential as untapped. They view it as the team's responsibility to put him in more advantageous situations and and distribute the ball to him uh, better because he's he's a heck of an athlete. He can create mismatches. And he's a guy who, um, along with some, some other guys from that class in 2021, I already mentioned Brady Christensen, uh, J.C. Horn, of course, leading that class from a year ago, uh, who broke his foot in week three and was not seen again. They've got uh, some talent from that 2021 class that they, they hope make big jumps. You already mentioned Terrence Marshall, uh, big jumps in 2022. And, and I think Tremble and Marshall are both uh, going to have the opportunity to do that and then are going to the big plans and, and big parts of this team going forward. We're talking with Ellis Williams, who covers the Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. Ellis, Paul brought up Robbie Anderson, and Anderson, to put it politely, had quite the ups and downs last season. His numbers were down, which you can attest to, but I also felt like he had a case of the dropsies, where there were plays to be had and just didn't deliver, and there was this whole thing this offseason when there were the Baker Mayfield rumors, how you know he was protecting Sam Darnold. They go back together with the Jets, so I don't think that was surprising, but I guess what I'm getting at is, A, how big is he in need of a bounce-back season this year? And the other part of it is they did bring in Rashard Higgins from Cleveland. How much can he maybe thread in Marshall and Anderson and be that complimentary piece to DJ Moore? Yeah, the, the, let's start with Higgins. Um, spent six, all six of his first his first six years of his NFL career in Cleveland. Uh, comes to Carolina now. Um, with a, for a fresh start, always been an underappreciated asset in this league. Uh, his range, his his possible outcomes in 2022 are vast. Uh, he could be the number two receiver at some point, as you alluded to, with the questions of Robbie Anderson and Terrence Marshall not having a, a strong rookie year, or he could be a camp casualty. Uh, Higgins is not a special teams contributor. Um, they've got some wide receivers on this roster that also contribute on special teams behind DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson and, and Higgins could, could be cut before making the 53 man roster. So that is, he's one player in particular. Uh, I'll be watching very closely as training camp uh, unfolds. As for Robbie Anderson, he is in a make or break part of his NFL career, not in the sense of like his, his money's guaranteed. They, 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 restructured his deal. He, he's a made man. I mean, when you talk about Robbie Anderson, the person, where he's come from, his story out of Temple, y'all are very familiar with it. It's a remarkable story. But if sure. we're talking, um, yeah, projecting it forward, you know, he's creeping up on 30 years old. He's coming off an unforgettable worst year ever uh, since his rookie season, really. Uh, you mentioned the case of the drops. And then just coming into minicamp and OTAs, uh, he was a no-show for Phase 1, bopped in there a little bit for Phase 2, and then when, when mini, mandatory minicamp arrived, he showed up with a sore hip. And, and to me, you know, the I might retire soon tweet and the, the presser that, talking about I'm here, ain't I, all of that is, is uh, fair headline-grabbing stuff. But that, to me, it doesn't matter until the body starts failing him. If he shows up to training camp and that hip, Spikes again, or you see Robbie sitting out because of a hamstring. When you aren't taking care of your body at this level and at that age, because you're away from the team, and then those comments start to resurface, you hit a hit a problematic point. Robbie has a chance to come to training camp, hit the ground running, and have none of this be an issue. And Matt Rule has high expectations for Robbie Anderson in now this new Ben McAdoo system, a system he admittedly. Robbie has not had much chance to learn because he hasn't been around. Um, so Robbie's got some obstacles he needs to overcome. It wouldn't, much like Richard Higgins, the range, the possible outcomes for Robbie is vast. But I think the they have insurance up from that number two wide receiver spot baked into both Terrence Marshall, who everyone I've talked to on the team has, said, has already take, taken a huge leap, and they expect big things 
from him this season, and then the constant pro that is Richard Higgins. But they've got some Robbie Anderson insurance there, but of course, much like Christian McCaffrey, my answer there, this team needs their whole ensemble of weapons to maximize whoever the quarterback is going to be this year. Ellis, I'd like to flip it to defense, and the first thing that sticks out like a sore thumb is the fact that Hassan Reddick signed with the Philadelphia Eagles during the offseason, double-digit sack guy, and now Brian Burns is left without a pass rush partner. I don't know how they're supposed to expect him to carry the entire load of getting to the quarterback. Can you tell me how? Yeah, well, first they're gonna they expect Brian Burns to take another leap, right? Um, he he's an interesting study. Uh, has not had double digit sacks yet over the course of his career. Always sits at that nine or nine and a half mark, which he admitted frustrates him. Um, but he has the most sacks of anyone from his uh, 2018 class, which uh, you know you can manipulate stats however you want to, right? Like the the preface to that one is uh nick bosa also in his class uh missed the whole year due to an acl injury so you know there's little things like that that uh manipulate those numbers but you can't deny his talent right so the the first part of that answer is they do expect just an increased production from brian burns you know he's already been excellent uh you know you him and the team both expect and, and desire all pro uh type production um, so, so that's the first thing, like just looking at Brian Burns himself. Secondly, you're right. He's going to need help. There's no denying that. Hassan Reddick, team high, uh, 11 and a half sacks last year. Um, team high, 18 quarterback hits. Played the third most defensive snaps on the team. They don't have anyone that's going to come in and play uh, that many snaps opposite Brian Burns. The, the plan is to fill that spot by committee. Uh, they've got some guys here that, they believe in Peter Gross Matos, um, Marcus Haynes, uh, Frankie Louvu. They have some, some players here that they think by committee can help fill that void. But also I expect Carolina to sign a veteran pass rusher either right before camp or during it. Carlos Dunlap, uh, former of the Seattle Seahawks, was in Carolina uh, to start uh, mini camp. I just on a visit. Uh, he had his physical on that Monday, met with coaches that Tuesday, and then was uh, back out. Um, but he's a guy whose name I'll be watching to see if you know, he can come into Carolina uh, before training camp. Uh, but they're going to bring in somebody just to add that extra body. Again, he's not going to be someone, and I'm thinking of Dunlap, not going to be someone who's going to play all those snaps. But much like a, a, a hockey line, you want to be able to roll those, those defensive linemen uh, keep them fresh, and then, again, the plan to replace Hassan Reddick is by committee. That always sounds great in theory. When it comes time to go get the quarterback, you need playmakers, <laughs> and Carolina is going to desperately need to find someone who can establish themselves as that guy uh, because right now I'm not sure who it is. Ellis, you know, I think one area that could help with the pass rush, and I'm curious your thoughts, I like the addition of Matt Ioannidis, who coincidentally is another Temple guy. We were talking about Robbie Anderson, but Matt Rule is a Temple guy too, mm-hmm. so it comes full circle. Ioannidis, to me, was that fifth guy in Washington's defensive front, very underrated, good against the run, could also get some pressure. How much do you think maybe they can improve what they're going to bring towards quarterbacks from the interior as opposed to it all coming from the outside? Yeah, they need to improve that interior rush and just the presence um, altogether. And, and that's why Ioannidis was brought in. It, the, the Panthers were just a, a little soft up front last year. Teams were able to wear them down late. Uh, their, their red zone rushing defense was nothing to be afraid of. And as much as it is Ioannidis' job to come in and provide some spark, a lot of this is going to land on Derek Brown, uh, the, the former uh, number seven pick uh, now going into his third season, a, a guy who, look, he's never going to, he won't be Aaron Donald. Uh, he's not going to be Cam Hayward. Those expectations when drafted in the top 10, they'll put on you uh, fade once you realize the, the, the pro that you have, but he can be um, a, a pro bowl caliber interior defensive lineman, someone who, teams need to game plan for and can disrupt. So they're looking for big years out of both of those guys inside. 
And they also would like to add, you know, going back to the edge rushing spot, they'd like to add a versatile, um, you know, five technique that can slide into the three, uh, you know, or the four high and play some interior uh, reps when need be. They're looking for a versatile guy who's able to do that. So this is a this is a, a defensive line. I'm glad we're talking about it. That does want to play from the inside out, much like its offensive line. It's why they they go and grab Austin Corbett. It's why they were ecstatic when Bradley Bozeman, the guy who has allowed Lamar Jackson to have his way uh, on those QB veers and those zone reads uh, up the middle, uh, they understand and want to build this team from the inside to the sideline. And you, you can't do that without having some big boys on your interior defensive line. Both you know, have their questions for different reasons, one because of age, one uh, because, of, you know, one older, one younger. Uh, but when you look at these young men as, as athletes, they have the, the chops and what it takes. And now, much like what I've been saying this entire segment, uh, it's going to come time to put the helmet on and put the pads on and, and prove it. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, somebody else who has to prove something, and I'm curious about him because last year in his rookie season, he broke his foot and missed almost the whole year. That's first-round pick J.C. Horn. Coming into that draft, mm-hmm. he was viewed as one of the top cover corners, and everybody knew he was going to be a first-round pick and would probably be a terrific pro. But after getting hurt, what are the realistic expectations for him this summer? I think he well, – I'll tell you, the expectations he has for himself are to be the best corner in this league. Uh, J.C. doesn't run from that. He, he doesn't hide from it. He was open about how disappointed he was to not compete for the defensive rookie of the year award, which he, which he coveted and had a goal of uh, securing last year, of course, injury, not allowing him to do that. Uh, This is a young man who the team has um, faith in can be their number one corner, shut down an entire side of the field, follow and shadow a number one receiver. If that's what the game plan asks for. Uh, But one thing that's really going to help JC and this team did not bring back Stephon Gilmore, but it did retain Dante Jackson, who remains the veteran and leader of that defensive back room. And it's probably one of the deeper defensive back rooms in the NFC, right? So JC is going to have the expectation to be that top dog, but there is plenty of depth around him to uh, just support support what he's going to be able to do. A a guy like C.J. Henderson, who the team brought in a year ago and traded a third-round pick and a tight end for, uh, he has reinvented himself here in Carolina after not having much stability in Jacksonville from the sounds of it. Um, They've got Keith Taylor, who who they're high on. They've got – and then a safety behind them in Jeremy Chin, who just keeps elevating his game and is going to be one of the more versatile uh, safety box defenders, uh, deep quarter uh, center fielders in the league, and you package all that up with the guidance and leadership, not only of Phil Snow, their defensive coordinator, who is uh, innovative, he's multiple, uh, he, he deploys you know three safeties at a time, but also Steve Wilkes coming in back to Carolina 
and taking on the defensive back and pass game coaching roles. Um, this is a coach who's going to get the best out of these young defensive backs. And the, just the, the, when <laughs> Phil Snow and Steve Wilkes sit in a room from what I'm gathering, um, they're having a lot of fun in how they can deploy <laughs> these cornerbacks again, starting with J.C. Horn. And this team has a, a, a lot of hopes and ambition and plan to uh, increase its turnover number and, and be a complete disruptor uh, in the secondary. And you're, but you're right, it all starts with J.C. Horn, and I think he's going to live up to that. Well, they're certainly not lacking talent, to your point, Ellis, on the back end, especially with what Jeremy Chin has been able to do and bringing in the veteran Xavier Woods. It's just a matter of those mad scientists getting in the room and putting those guys in the correct position to flourish and also them staying healthy, which brings me to what I looked at last season really was a bit mind-boggling, Ellis, because you look at the Panthers' defense on paper, young and up-and-coming players, veterans, real good talent. But statistically, it just it didn't add up. And I know they had some injuries. What I mean is they were a top three defense in yardage allowed, yet they were at the bottom of the NFL in the red zone defense. They were actually, I got the number in front of me, the 30th. Touchdowns were allowed 67% of the time. So people weren't moving the football much. And then all of a sudden, when they got in the red zone, they were able to capitalize. What can you shed light on why that was such a troubling issue? And why do you think that can improve this season? Yeah, um, I, I asked around about those numbers a lot this offseason. And from what I gathered, is it's a, it's a complimentary football of answers, what I was getting. Like, this offense um, being uh, third in the league in giveaways with 29, you know, combining Sam Darnold's Sure. Interceptions with Cam Newton's fumbles and and just um, never putting their defense in advantageous situations, uh, giving them short field. So even that yardage number might be a little bit manipulated uh, because they're uh, not having much field to defend against. And then all of a sudden you're giving up the ball on your own 35 yard line and, and a team only needs to go 35 yards to score. So you're not giving up much yardage, but then you're in the end, you're in the red zone uh, after one, you know, mid mid range completion, uh, and then it, it becomes a demoralizing uh, uh, stance from a defensive perspective. Uh, I talked about the interior of this defensive line being soft. Teams would get down there and, and really just be comfortable running the football, uh, and it became a point where there just was not much resistance up there. So I really would say that. The defense's problem last year was the offense, and we we detailed how I expect that to be corrected first from a pass protection standpoint, which should limit the, the turnovers, uh, but then just the, the new system and scheme that's being plugged in um, should, in a way, circumnavigate and allow the defense to have its best players um, focus more on playmaking and not feel like they're the only hope that the team has to win a football game. Because when the Panthers allowed 15 points or less last season, uh, they were undefeated. I think the mark was like 5-0 or 6-0 or something. Uh, but that's just a, it's an impossible standard to hold your defense to. Uh, it's the, as the offense corrects itself, this defense, I think, will remain where it was from a yardage standpoint, from, from a um, – uh, court sack standpoint, a hurry standpoint, and then you'll see the red zone defense correct itself as well because there just won't be as many opportunities. Final question from me, and it's in honor of Jeff Fiegels, our broadcast teammate. I have to ask a special teams inquiry. <laughs> Johnny Hecker, been one of the great punters of the last 25 years in this league. There's no doubt about that. But he gets a multi-year deal during this offseason from Carolina with $5 bucks, fully guaranteed, making him one of the more richer uh, punters in this league. Was that really a priority, that they had to go out and, and, and give him that much money and get, get a punter in here? Oh, yeah. Always follow the money. Y'all know that. Um, <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know. It was a, a very high priority not only with Hecker, but they also bring in Andre Roberts, a uh, uh, punt returner, a 2020 Pro Bowler, bring in a new offensive, or excuse me, new special team coordinator, Chris Tepper, who has had a Pro Bowl returner in each of his fast last five seasons. Uh, the, the Bears last year finished eighth in special team rankings uh, compared to Carolina, who finished 28th. 
this, I had someone, I had a coach on the staff tell me that the addition of Hecker, the, the addition of Roberts, combining that with Jensen and, and Zane Gonzalez, their place kicker, who was really their, their most consistent and brightest part of their offense last year, he thinks that this special teams went from below average to elite was the term that was used uh, for me when you combine the coordinator with the punter, with the returner, uh, with the retaining the place kicker, with the, the longest tenured Panther and their long snapper. They're really excited about what they're going to do on special teams. They think it's a unit that can flip some games for them and, and help them win in the margin. So I'm glad we talked about it uh, because under the radar, uh, a lot of people inside that Panthers building are most excited about the turnaround they've had on special teams. And it's understandable considering injuries hit that position too, as we mapped out earlier in the conversation, really across the board, and certainly the Giants can relate. It is week two, Carolina against the Giants at MetLife Stadium, Sunday, September 18th. He is Ellis Williams, who covers the team for the Charlotte Observer. Ellis, can't thank you enough. We really greatly appreciate the time and the insight, and we certainly look forward to seeing you in week number two. It'll be here in no time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ellis. You got it. Our pleasure. Ellis Williams breaking down the ins and outs of the Carolina Panthers. Some good intel in terms of potential improvement on the offensive side of the ball and really the defense returning to health. And this is going to be an early season matchup. Paul, he said right now it looks like Sam Darnold is going to be the guy, and I have no reason to doubt that, especially since, once Mm -hmm. again, it's going to be an early season matchup. But who knows? If Darnold starts week one, has a rough game, where Matt Corral is, (laughs) could they pull the trigger? Or, for all we know, by the time training camp rolls around, maybe Carolina pulls the trigger and acquires Baker Mayfield. Well, the Mayfield wild card is still out there. And, you know, I was listening to uh, one of your cohorts on uh, NFL Sirius uh, Radio earlier today, and they were saying that perhaps the way that that somebody could make a deal for Mayfield isn't to just match the price that Cleveland's looking to acquire in the deal, but they'd have to load it with a bunch of contingencies, a lot of conditionals, if you will, with how many snaps does he play? How many games does the team win? Not incentives so much, because incentives means the player has to, uh, you know, gain certain numbers to get his money. I'm talking about conditionals, where uh, if if he plays so many snaps, or if they win so many games, or if they get so far into the playoffs, then that team gets the higher pick. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. Right. Conditionals. And, And that was the suggestion today. That if Cleveland would move off of whatever price they want for him and be subjected to maybe a bunch of conditionals, that might make it a lot easier for him to be moved. And Carolina was obviously the team that they were suggesting. Well, I think right now Cleveland doesn't have much leverage, right? Because <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I think the rest of the league is saying to the Browns, you're going to cut Baker Mayfield, because you're not going to retain him with the $18 million. So we'll just wait till he hits the free agent market and we'll give up nothing and just add him. Mm-hmm. They could certainly play that game. I'm sure a lot of teams are doing that. But here's the other thing that I want to throw out that I could see come to fruition. I brought this up on various shows on air. I could see Cleveland maybe saying the market for Baker picks up if we hold on to him right around the trade deadline, Paul. Could. Starting quarterback gets hurt. All of a sudden, a team is in contention. They think Baker could come in, give them stability. Very similar to the example I'll give you is, I was looking back at the archives, 2011. I don't know if you remember, the Cincinnati Bengals, they draft Andy Dalton. Carson Palmer, that offseason, said he wants out. Right? If you remember, he wanted nothing to do with Cincinnati. And they made the Raiders pay. But they held on to Palmer right. until the trade deadline. Yep. Now, it, it helped Paul, in fairness. Hugh Jackson was the head coach of the Raiders. Where did he come from? He was with Cincinnati, the mm-hmm. OC. So he mm-hmm. had a relationship with Palmer. And, yes, they wound up giving up more because I think you really like Carson. And it's understandable. But I would entertain that. If you can hold on to him, I think things could pick up as we inch closer to the trade deadline. I, I don't think that's out of the question. And, again, as we all know, Unfortunately, the NFL seems to have a bunch of quarterbacks who get hurt very early in the season, which unfortunately leads credence to the fact that he may increase in value as we get into September and October. Well, because he's going to probably be away from the organization. 
just working out on his own. He's nowhere to be found. He's not coming back to the facility. So as long as he stays in good health, good shape, and is not doing other questionable activities, which I doubt it because Baker, I'm sure, is itching to get back on the field. Of course. It could turn out to be beneficial for both parties, and, right? And trust me, Lance, it's not like he's going to the CFL. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, he knows his options. And he knows. Listen, one other thing, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but it certainly relates to Carolina. I would also entertain, if I'm Baker, and I'm lucky enough to just cut ties with Cleveland, Paul. So let's say he gets to choose where he wants to go. Let's operate under that premise. I would take a page out of the Jameis Winston playbook where maybe you go to a team, Paul, where you're not going to be the starter. You take a step back, you observe, you learn the system, and then next year, maybe the door opens. For example, the team that I'm thinking about is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady's not guaranteed to play beyond this season. I mean, who knows? I wouldn't question him and his work ethic, but maybe Tampa Bay gets a nice transition. Brady goes off into the sunset, and, and Baker, like what happened with Drew Brees in New Orleans. I would, if I'm Baker, I'd at least entertain that idea if, of course, he can choose where he wants to go. It's not a bad idea. I don't know that I'd ever want to gamble anything on Tom Brady retiring. But, well, of but, course, <laughs> yeah, based on his track record, yes. Sure. But, but it's not a bad idea if you can find a spot where you think that's applicable. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Certainly a variety of different situations that could play out moving forward here in the offseason. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. Let's open up the lines. Abdul is in Minnesota joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Abdul? Hello? Abdul going once. Abdul going twice. Is he gone? Three swings. Strike three. He was close. Oh, I, I thought maybe we'd get a check swing. Hello? Oh, he is? Wow, that was, you know, the umpire's going to have to call this at bat back, Abdul. Because you were, I mean, you were pretty much at the borderline there. I have my finger on the button. <laughs> there you go. Pearson you know salvaged that at the last second. I, I, I held, my wrist didn't break. All right. All right. You know I mean? We're still going to have nice. to go to re video replay. We'll debate that. But anyway, we'll allow it. I'm yes. glad you called because I know we are having technical difficulties. So thank you. So, for, so uh, a two-part thing here. First part's more uh, kind of a rant. Then the second part is actually an actual question. The first rant is to all these uh, all these fans who who are, who are echo chamber echo chamber kind of guys. And there's one person, um, Charlie. He he runs this Twitter kind of thing on you know he hosts it, and literally it's it's a bunch of guys just complain about the Giants. Like, they, they just complain, and if you ever try to talk to them, they cut you off, because if you don't agree with them, that, Dad, that, that Daniel Jones sucks, and that uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the current GM and coach have messed up because they, you know, cut a certain safety. You just, the Giants are the worst. It's and and I just do not get the kind of negativity. Like this is a, a brand new start for a, a brand, you know. Like we 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 have changed the GM, we've changed the coach. You know, it, it's a brand new start, and all, like already being like this negative, like it, it makes no sense to me, and it, it just really kind of disappoints me. And when you, when you point it out to them, they cut you off. And I think that's, that, that's just, I just don't get it. And Charlie, if you hear this, grow up. Okay, that's one thing. Second part, um, what, who do you think was the greatest what-if of, of giant players in the past 10 years that, that got hurt, whatever, that, that could have been great, but something happened? Like, like what who do you guys think are like the is the 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 what if player that the Giants? You know had the, the problem with that question. There's a laundry list. Yeah, 
This organization has been so badly snake bitten by the injury bug. I mean, right off the top, without even thinking about it, all right, I can tell you the potential of Kenny Phillips, Terrell Thomas, Hakeem right. Nicks, Victor go. Cruz, right. Odell Beckham Jr., David Wilson. Yeah, I mean, the li- and that's just for starters. That's just for starters. I mean, this list probably could have at least 15 to 20 guys on it. Yeah, see, but David Wilson to me, and Abdul, we'll let you continue. And I think it is an interesting question. Paul, I'm with you. And there's a lot of guys you could go with, but some of the guys that Paul mentioned, I thought we got some flashes. I mean, David Wilson, we barely got much of anything. So I would have liked to have really seen what he could do as the main back in addition to a special teamer. So he was the guy that popped into my head immediately. I'd probably put him at the top of my list, and I'd keep him there. Odell Beckham certainly is another guy, and a few of the other players in the secondary that Paul mentioned, I think they all warrant consideration, but David Wilson stands out to me because I think that's the true coulda, woulda, shoulda type of situation. Uh, you know what? Wilson is the number one guy on my list also. And then there was that, that, that safety you got in the car accident. Chad Jones. Before. Yep. Yeah. They, they were, you know, what an athlete he was. Because remember, he was also drafted by uh, the Reds, I think, in the Major League Baseball draft. He was a dual sport athlete, you know, coming out of uh, LSU and was just revered as a sensational athlete. And even though the Giants waited until I think was the third round to get him. Oh, they tried, they tried, yeah. Well, I think he was third round. Which at the time, I remember that was considered a steal. And they had tremendous hopes for him. Now, Paul, we have to issue another red flag on Abdul here, okay? This is a technicality, okay? He swung and missed nearly on the focus. You said within the last decade. Now, Chad Jones was a 2010 draft pick, so I'm going to throw a technicality (laughs) out there. I'm not going to allow it, okay? My cutoff is 2012 to the present. That's all I'm giving you leeway. Chad Jones, to me, does not meet the criteria of your question. There you go. I'm sorry. He's out of bounds. He's out of bounds. bounds. I'm sorry. Just not having it. Okay? Uh, As long as you apologize, it's on the record. Okay. We can move on now. I was very emotional about this, but I'll allow you to move on. Yes. Listen, all right, guys, I appreciate this. All right, I'm so excited for the next, you know, like football cannot come fast enough. I agree. I don't think anybody would disagree with you here on this program. Appreciate the phone call. I do think that's a very interesting question, though, what he threw out about when you look back at the draft history, and you probably could even throw in a free agent, too. Remember, there were some guys, you know who I'm going to bring up, Paul. Surprised. If we we extend this to free agency, who do you think I'm going to bring up? Well, uh, about somebody that I thought had potential and then the hamstring injury sucked the life out of him. Well, I, I would just not even go there. You want to talk about the fact that they spent a pretty good boatload of money on Jeff Schwartz and immediately he got hurt and basically didn't give them anything. Okay, well, that, no, that's a good one. I'm not going to disagree. That wasn't the guy I was going to go towards. I thought you were going to maybe throw out the name of the player that I was going to throw out there. I was thinking Trendon Holiday, if you remember. Holiday was this, you know, jack-of-all-trades return guy, mm-hmm. wide receiver, running back. And I thought there was a lot of promise. And then what happened? He got hurt in training camp, and that was it. That was the end of the story. Yeah. So, you know, they, there's they a lot of those him, circumstances. They didn't give him as much money, though. I mean, no, no, no. And I was a correct. high-priced offseason. Absolutely. Fact, he, he, when he came in, he was one of the more highly sought-after offensive linemen of that class. So, for me, that's why I, I kind of put him on a higher, higher plane. No, well, I get you're looking at it more from a financial investment, but I'm, I'm taking that away. I'm just looking at it, period. A player that you thought could come in, make an impact, whether uh, yeah. it be small, minute, mm-hmm. big, you name it, and then just never got a taste of it because the injury bug got in the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, again, over the last decade, we have talked about this so many times. The proof's in the pudding. The numbers are there. Factually, this is not something we've made up. Over the last 10 years, the Giants have been the, the most hurt by injury of any NFL team. Those are facts. That's not, that's not a, uh, a rumor. That's not an opinion. The manpower games, facts. The Giants have just been decimated in the last decade. It's actually a very appropriate topic to bring up here as our conversation comes full circle because we started off previewing the Carolina Panthers. I see a lot of similarities between both of these teams storyline-wise. And I know health is always apparent for every team. You're just hoping that the injury bug 
avoids you or you showcase that you have enough depth and you can overcome the bug. But the bottom line is the Panthers and the Giants, they're looking at themselves from last season. And the Giants more so than Caroline. I'll give you that. But both teams were hit very hard by injuries across the board, Paul. Mm -hmm. Offense, defense, everything in between. And going into this season, as we were talking with Ellis Williams earlier, Carolina's banking on Christian McCaffrey, but they've prepared accordingly with some other running backs. They're hoping that the Dante Jacksons and the J.C. Horns of the world stay on the field. Some of the wide receivers who have been banged up. Well, the Giants, right, they're staring at their wide receiver core, and they're wondering, is this going to be the year that we get double-digit games with all of them on the field simultaneously. Will Saquon hold up? Very similar to Christian McCaffrey. And then on the defensive side of the ball, where maybe the injury bug is not as big of a storyline, I think you're certainly saying to yourself, if you're Wink Martindale and some of these positional coaches, if I lose one of my top starters, what do I have behind them? It's a little bit of a guessing game. So I actually think both of these teams are in very similar circumstances. The only difference is, of course, Brian Dable just walked in. So he's not under as immense amount right. of pressure New as Matt staff. Rule. New Correct. Staff. The, the staff is not from the same wavelength, okay? I'll give you that. But I think the rosters and the outlook somewhat even keel here. Well, I mean, look, the people in Carolina have a ton of doubts about their number one player, and that is the quarterback. We all know you have to have a quarterback. And they really don't know if they've got a guy who has been through the mill. I mean, we talked about the fact that Daniel Jones has gone through four offensive coordinators. Well, look what Donald's gone through. Now, I was never a Donald guy out of the draft. You remember that. I was always, I don't think much of this guy. So I don't want to defend him. But that doesn't change the reality that he has really been put through the mill. 100%. I mean, just to be fair to him, despite the fact that I never thought much of him, just to be fair, the circumstances surrounding him have not exactly been cake. I don't even know if that's putting it in justice terms, Paul. He's had five offensive coordinators in five years. You could, if I asked you to put together a rankings of quarterbacks, Paul, you can have Sam Darnold dead last on your list. Okay, I'll give you that. You're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to feel your way. I'd still say you have to at least show some sign of sympathy and empathy for what this man has gone uh, through. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm yeah. trying to tell you. Reality says he has been put in an impossible situation throughout the early stages of his career. Again, I, I'm not as high on his ceiling as a lot of other people have always been, but there's no denying that this guy has, has basically gone through a tornado trying to, to break out his game. Um, and, uh, you know, look, it's not going to get any easier this year because he's on the hot seat just like Daniel Jones is. Both of these guys need to show what they need to show now. There is not really a lot of room for tomorrow. They're very similar, and Daniel Jones knows he's a lame duck quarterback. I think Darnold feels the same way because regardless of what your contract looks like, nothing is guaranteed. And also, the difference between maybe Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold is Darnold just saw his team draft a quarterback in Matt Corral. Now, yeah. I don't care whether or not they took him in the first round or not, and clearly he's not a first-round pick, but just because they're not taking you in the first round doesn't mean they don't have hope that maybe you can be an answer, at least in the short term. So Darnold has Corral bring, uh, breathing down his neck, whereas you have Daniel Jones. I don't think he's as concerned about Tyrod Taylor because Taylor's a proven veteran, a journeyman, but Daniel Jones knows the circumstances of his contract. So if you weigh it from that criteria, 100% I'd put them both up against one another. And both of them have had a revolving door of offensive coordinators and head coaches. I would say this, Lance, in terms of the futures of both of these guys, obviously they're on a one-year hot seat. But I will say this, Donald is certainly, I, I would believe, to be much more apt to be pulled during the season than Jones would be. Sure. Because they have that rookie right behind him who I'm sure they drafted with hopes that at some point and maybe sooner than later, he will be ready to try to get his shot at manning this team. Uh, with the Giants, Tyrod Taylor is, is just an experienced veteran who I'm sure would be in there just to hold the fort if Jones, you know, just didn't get it done. Uh, I, don't, I don't see Tyrod Taylor being the potential future quarterback other than the fact that he could be a bridge for a year. Uh, Corral, I expect that they probably think, if Rule is able to stay around with his staff, is going to get a shot if Donald fails at being the future QB. 
Well, you could also look at it from the standpoint, Sam Darnold starts this season. He struggles. Matt Rule is feeling the pressure. He knows he's got to turn things around. You're probably going to say, we're going to give the rookie an opportunity. Hey, let's see what he could do. What do I have to lose at this point, right? right. Other well, than my job. Well, he's so, an unknown, and that's and Tyrod Taylor's not. And that's what makes it more intriguing for the Panthers to maybe give Donald an early hook. Sure, to see what Corral could do. But also, I think if you're Brian Dable, and just hear me out here. I'm going down the hypothetical road. Let's say Daniel Jones struggles, okay? Let's operate under that premise, Paul. Does Dable, in the back of his mind, is he saying, boy, if I don't put Tyrod Taylor in here, I'm screwed. I think he'd be more in the, of the mindset, I'll let Daniel try to work through the sure. ins and outs of the new offense to see what he could do as opposed to bringing out the quick hook similar to Sam Darnold. Totally agree. 100%. So, yeah, that's another difference, and that's why you have to look at the coaching mindset. The coaching mindset, if you're in your first year, it doesn't mean – you ask Brian Dable, that doesn't mean he's going to say, oh, sure, I got 17 games to mess around, that I can do whatever the heck I want. No, he understands that time is of the essence. You want to build the foundation. But I think he also gets to the point where there's a little leeway, okay? I just came in. I got a new GM. We have a relationship. Matt Rule, he's been here since 2020. There was a lot of hype surrounding him, a college coach, an innovator, a guy that's had success at multiple programs. It hasn't come to fruition, and you can only point to injuries so much. So he understands. That's why I think he would say to himself, hey, Darnold, we gave you a quarter of the season. It's not clicking. Ben, let's see what Matt Corral could do. Or maybe they once again get ultra-aggressive, and by that time, if Baker is still on Cleveland, then maybe they have more ammunition to make a trade. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, uh, I'm really curious to see uh, what the Carolina Panthers bring to the table when they face the Giants in Week 2, which, as we all know, is going to be the Giants' home opener. And yep. uh, that's, uh, you know, of, of course, depending upon what the Giants do in Tennessee, that crowd could be very, very much fired up for that ball game. Well, and speaking of the environment of that game, Ben McAdoo, who we were talking with Ellis about earlier in the program, and I had reference, and we've had these conversations, you go back— Ben McAdoo put up some good numbers when he was the OC mm -hmm. of the Giants. So, you know, don't overlook the effect that he could potentially have on Darnold and moving personnel around. I understand he's been removed over the last few years since he left as the Giants head coach, and he briefly went to be a part of Mike McCarthy, reunited with him from Green Bay. But, you know, I'm sure over the years he's learned from other coaches. He's skiing other schemes. I'm very interested to see. And here's the other thing, Paul. You brought up the fact that the Giants will be a little bit of the unknown for Tennessee. If you recall, we had that yeah. conversation the other day. Well, even though Ben McAdoo has been an offensive coordinator elsewhere, the Giants' defense, you haven't seen Ben operate an offense over the last few years. And there's only so much that I think you could take away from what he ran with Eli Manning because I thought Ellis brought up a good point. Sam's got more mobility. There are things that Ben may run with Sam and even Christian McCaffrey that he didn't have the luxury to do when he was here with the Giants. So Carolina's going to bring a little bit of sense of unknown and intrigue as they come in here for the home opener. Yeah, well, both teams will have one week to look at film <laughs> because Which is not much. Yeah. it's week two. I mean. They'll have one week, and that's it. Because I don't, I don't expect any of the staffs that were changed during the off season to show a whole lot during their three preseason games. And and I've stressed this before about the Giants, folks. The stuff that we've seen over the course of this off season, I don't think you're going to see very much of it in those three games. I think the Giants are going to hold back a ton. Uh, this this is this is going to be a very different Giants team that you see. Few reminders before we wrap up shop. Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925, or for this one, you can visit Giants.com suites for more information. So that is going to wrap up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. For those of you who are catching the archive version, we apologize. We've been having some technical difficulties, so that may be the reason why you weren't able to consume the product live. But the plan is hopefully to be back up and running again live Monday 
at noon Eastern as we will continue to preview the upcoming opponents. As you can tell, we're going in order in which the Giants are going to have the schedule play out, and then we're going to save, obviously, the divisional foes till the very end, which is what we normally do. But we're looking forward to taking a trip around the league and getting an idea of the competition that the Giants are going to see throughout the course of this season. So with that being said... We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest and enjoy your weekend. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. We will speak to you on Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.